Oh, my God. 
minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday. Erev Yom Tov, Erev Shabbos, Erev Rosh Hashanah. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Sai 
Let's go, everyone up, everyone stand up together. 
J.M. in the A.M. Oh, boy. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Erev Yom Tov, Erev, the brand new year. And today, the official 40th anniversary of J.M. in the A.M. I started here, Erev Rosh Hashanah 1983. I think you know that by now. And yesterday, we had a wonderful celebration. Thank you, Mark Zamek. Thank you, L.E.Y. Katz. Thank you to Poppies. Uh, across the street on West Englewood Avenue in Teaneck, New Jersey. Thank you to everybody who had a role in making yesterday such a special morning for us here at JM and the AM. All the guests who appeared, all the texts and app comments. <laughs> My gosh, people had a lot of wonderful things to say, and that was great. It was just so wonderful and so amazing. And I'm going to give a special thank you to Rabbi Chaim Hagler, who was, of course, the uh, head of school at Yeshivat Noam, and I won't reveal why I'm giving him a special shout-out, but he deserves a special shout-out, and I am uh, doing that here as we as we kick off a Friday morning Erev Shabbos, Erev Yom Tov, Erev Rosh Hashanah here at JM and the AM. Morty Weinstein, Anila Dodi, 222, Benny Friedman, with a chauffeur reminder, Ellie Marcus, Rachmana, Lamancha, done by Eitan Katz, Shlomo Katz with both Barash Hashanah and Adam Yesodo, Hayom and Ochila done by Shirley Williger. Aneni and Ochila done by Shlomo Lippman. Cantor Simon Cohen with Barosh Hashanah. The Nochi Krohn Band with Barosh Hashanah. And of course, Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Welcome to a Friday. It is the, uh, let's get this right here. Let's <laughs> Unlike 40 years ago today, <laughs> where it was Arab, a quote-unquote three-day uptif, and I said you have to say Shech Yanu all three nights, which is, of course, not true. You say Shachianu, and in that situation, Wednesday night and Thursday night and Friday night, which is Shabbos Shuva, you don't say Shachianu. So, so let's not make a similar type of mistake today, forty years later. I just, I just, I don't remember who pointed out to me. It was long after it happened that someone pointed out to me the mistake. But it is pretty amazing that in my first ten minutes, <laughs> my first ten minutes of broadcasting. <laughs> JM in the AM, I already had made such a serious error. Hopefully nobody took me uh, seriously, and hopefully they followed the actual guidelines. Uh, but today is Friday, era of Rosh Hashanah, right? A little different. It's Friday, era of Rosh Hashanah, which means Yontav is Shabbos and Sunday everywhere in Israel and in the diaspora. Here in the New York area, where candlelighting uh, will be at 645. Candlelighting in New York for Rosh Hashanah will be 645. Um... Make sure you know when things start where you are, no matter where you are on this globe. And I know there are people tuned in everywhere on this globe, which is so incredible. Make sure you know when things start. 645, the official start here in the New York, New Jersey area. Uh, that's candle lighting. And, of course, tonight you would say the the bracha, the blessing over the candles for Shabbos and Yom Tov. And you would say Shechianu. Tomorrow night, same thing. Shabbos, Yom Tov, and Shachianu. So this year, 100% of the Shabbos and Yom Tov nights of Rosh Hashanah get a Shachianu. Can't get over it, I'll tell you. Cannot get over it. Uh, a custom, of course, to say Tashlich. 
which traditionally is done on the second day when uh, when the first day is Shabbos. We'll blow the shofar on Sunday. Make sure to uh, time your visit to the synagogue uh, around the time of the blowing of the shofar, uh, at the minimum, if not much earlier, of course, which we encourage. And uh, Yantiv will end Sunday night. And then Monday is Tzom Gedalia. Monday is the fast of Gedalia. According to the information we have here from our friends at Mesifta Tiferes Yerushalayim, in the New York area, the fast will begin at 5.06 in the morning. Uh, but again, make sure you know when things start where you are. Make sure you follow whatever your community and your rabbi does uh, for the upcoming fast on Monday. So there you have it. It's Erev Rosh Hashanah 5784. I know Mark Zamek has debated, and he's right. It is a debate. Should we call this Erev Rosh Hashanah 5783 since we're still in the old year? Or should we say Erev Rosh Hashanah 5784? I prefer the latter as the brand new year begins tonight and we wish everybody a happy healthy and sweet new year it should be a year of uh, of health peacefulness togetherness uh sweetness <coughs> brotherhood and sisterhood uh for all around the world but especially in our community a year that the uh, the state of israel and its inhabitants uh are able to get along even better than they do now and uh, are able to fend off, with the help of the one above, the enemy who wants to destroy the people of Israel. And uh, the enemy that wants to destroy or has a feeling in their heart to destroy uh, members of our community around the world. It is, a, it is something that we can t- continue to discover on a daily basis. No surprise, of course, for certain people. It's certainly no surprise. Uh, but this is the sentiment of too many who have uh, negative feelings regarding our community Hopefully, we'll be able to uh, effectively change that and stem the tide of um, of the enemy moving forward. It is um, distressing to see and to experience uh, public speeches, lectures, committees, gatherings, seminars, conferences uh, that focus on uh, on negative feelings toward our people, our tradition, our heritage, our religion, and of course, our state of Israel. So hopefully we will work to turn that around the, in the coming year as well. Uh, coming up in hour number two this morning, Harry Rothenberg on this era of Rosh Hashanah, Malcolm Honline, Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He will join us coming up here at JMAM at 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time for the final weekly update of 5783. We'll have that for you, and we'll certainly include his message for the brand new year, uh, which will no doubt be inspiring. Uh, that'll be coming up in the 7 o'clock hour. In the 8 o'clock hour, Rabbi Yudin is going to be addressing us. He's got a long presentation regarding Erev Rosh Hashanah and the upcoming holiday. He'll certainly encourage everybody to make sure to hear the chauffeur on Sunday. Not everybody's able to get to synagogue. Try to make arrangements before the holiday so that you can hear the show. And it can be any time. It can be 5 in the afternoon. It can be any time on Sunday. Uh, but please make sure to hear the show for, um, at some point. And certainly, uh, if you're heading to synagogue, time your visit to get there way before the assigned time for a show for blowing. Uh, I will be for the, and I'm assuming it's the 40th. I'm sure at some point tonight will count, but I'm assuming because the first time was 1984, right? So I'm assuming tonight is the 40th consecutive year that I will be leading services at the new Springville Jewish Center, a a um, privilege I do not take lightly. My thanks to Rabbi Siegel. My thanks to the presidium and the board of the synagogue. It is uh, quite a feeling 
uh, to be able to uh, to represent the congregation and to lead services on the high holidays. And now I've had the privilege as of tonight of doing it for 40 consecutive years. I don't take that lightly at all. So I look forward to seeing our friends at the New Springville Jewish Center and having a good portion of our family with us as we celebrate together and uh, have an opportunity to spend the Chag together, which is also one of the tremendous benefits that we've had this time of year for the last four decades. Again, a, a figure that I just cannot get over. Uh, so that's the story with that as we get set for uh, for the Yom Narayim tonight. And those of you who are uh, anxious to um, to be part of a uh, of a beautiful service, there are many, many, many incredible, beautiful, uh, inspirational services that go on in in practically every community around the world. And uh, we encourage people to uh, to spend the next couple of days and take advantage of that uh, in whatever synagogue you're going to, whatever program you belong to. It could be a beginner service. It could be an, a, a, an explanatory service. Whatever it is, uh, we encourage everybody to go, and certainly we encourage you to encourage others, including those in your family, uh, to give a taste, not just a taste of the apple and the honey and the challah and the honey, uh, but a taste of just how incredibly beautiful it is to be part of the high holiday service as a participant. Uh, it's for many a life-changing experience. Let's take advantage of this time of year and encourage people to go. This is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NahumSiegel.com on the NahumSiegel Network, and, of course, any beloved NSN app. There are also people in your lives who would very much love to hear from you before the holidays. Um as we discussed with Steve Adelsberg the other day, it's a it's also a uh, a yuntif changing experience when someone gets a call and that someone gets the feeling that there are people out there who actually care about them and are thinking about them. So uh, make sure to get to your list of uh, of people to be in touch with before the holiday, and uh, and make their day. Why not make their day? Uh, at some point between now and candle lighting time, candle lighting at six forty five for the two day Yom Tov of Rosh Hashanah. Shabbos and Sunday. On Sunday, of course, we will be blowing chauffeur. Keep that in mind. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nachum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Galay Tzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next at JMM. גלי צהל השעה שתיים. שלום רב, באולפן עדן לוי עם מה שקורה עכשיו. השב"כ ומשטרת ישראל עצרו חשוד בכביש 431 סמוך לרמלה, ברכב לא נמצאו מטענים והכביש שנחסם באזור נפתח לתנועה. במערכת הביטחון בודקים את הקשר בין האירוע לפיצוץ המטען שאירע הבוקר בפארק הירקון ללא נפגעים. ידיעה שהעביר כתבנו הצבאי דורון קדוש. מדד המחירים לצרכן עלה בחודש אוגוסט בחצי אחוז, שיעור חד מהצפוי, כשקצב האינפלציה השנתי היה בחודש שעבר 4% בעשירית. עליות מחירים בולטות נרשמו בסעיפי תחבורה, תרבות ובידור ודיור. מחירי ההלבשה והנעלה ירדו בשיעור של 2.5%. כתבנו לענייני כלכלה ישראל פישר מוסר כי אחד מהגורמים המשמעותיים שהובילו לעליית המחירים הוא ההיחלשות בשקל בחודש האחרון. כתבתנו עינב קרנר מוסיפה כי מחירי הדירות ירדו ביוני ויולי בשיעור קל של עשירית האחוז. נרשמה בלימה בקצב השנתי של עליית מחירי הדירות, שעומד על שלושה אחוזים ושתי עשיריות האחוז.
לאחר דרישת שר המשפטים לוין, בג"ץ דחה את הדיון בעתירות נגד אי כינוס הוועדה לבחירת השופטים, שהיה אמור להיערך ביום שלישי הקרוב. לפי החלטת השופטים, הדיון ייקבע עד ל-23 באוקטובר, 11 ימים לאחר פרישת ראש ההרכב ענת ברון, וייתכן שהיא לא תוכל לדון בעתירות. כתבתנו לענייני משפט תמר שונמי מציינת כי בג"ץ הפך את החלטתו ואת בקשת לוין להגיש את השובה המעודכנת לצו על תנאי, הדורש ממנו לנמק מדוע לא יכנס את הוועדה לבחירת שופטים. שישה בני אדם נפצעו בתאונת דרכים במעורבות של שבעה כלי רכב בכביש 20 לכיוון צפון, סמוך למחלף דוב הוז. צוותי מגן דוד אדום טיפלו בפצועים, נער בן 15 במצב בינוני וחמישה נוספים שמצבם קל, ופינו אותם לבית החולים איכילוב בתל אביב. ארבעת בני הנוער שתועדו מכים קטין בגן ציבורי בפתח תקווה יואשמו בתקיפה חמורה. מוקדם יותר השבוע, לאחר הפצת הסרטון ברשתות החברתיות, נעצרו הארבעה. כתבתנו הדס שטייף מציינת שבימים הקרובים יוגש נגדם ונגד קטין נוסף השוהה במעצר בית כתב אישום. ולידיעת הנהגים, כביש 6 לצפון עמוס מאוד ממחלף באקה עד העמדות. בכביש החוף לצפון יש עומס תנועה מיקום לכיוון מחלף נתניה, וכביש מספר 85 עמוס מכיוון מחלף כרמיאל מזרח עד רמה. מזג האוויר מעונן חלקית עם טמפרטורות רגילות לעונה. לכל מאזיננו, חג שמח ושנה טובה. אלה החדשות. JM in the AM, so it's a 40-year mental block, right? Basically. I don't know if Adiva Leia would, uh, would approve of my analysis. <laughs> She's been very kind in terms of, uh, uh, of trying to tell me why I made that mistake 40 years ago. But 40 years later, I continue to make the same mistake. It's amazing. And thank you to uh, listener Edie, and thank you to uh, listener Fagy, and thank you to everybody. Here it is. Here it is. Don't pay attention to anything I said in hour number one. <laughs> Here it is. Tonight, we, we uh, light candles and mention Shabbos and Yontif plus Shechianu. Tomorrow night is only the Chag, Yom Tov. And, of course, we have Shechianu tomorrow night as well. Unbelievable. I'm telling you, I'm like a mental block. And, which, and what's so funny about this is that in my own house, I am the authority on when to say Shechianu, on when not to. And, of course, I established the rule uh, that everyone knows by heart now. Uh, which is we say Shechianu every Chag, except for the last days of Pesach. That's the only time we don't say Shechianu. Uh, so that, that, for some reason, has been okay. That, that aspect of things I've gotten straight. But how I possibly suggested that on Motzei Shabbos tomorrow night, we're, we're mentioning Shabbos is, is outlandish, frankly. Uh, but all right, hopefully no one's throwing me off the air after 40 years. So that's it. It's tonight, Shabbos and Yontif. It's tomorrow night, just Yontif. And of course, Shechianu. And uh, anybody who wants can make comparisons with 40 years ago how for some reason uh, this mis- these mistakes in this one area <laughs> continue decades later. More coming up. It's JM in the AM. Malcolm Holmline will join us. Harry Rothenberg, of course, as we mentioned, uh, will address us in the next few minutes. And, of course, plenty more. It is, after all, Erev Shabbos, Erev Yom Tov, Erev Rosh Hashanah, wishing everybody a happy, healthy, and sweet new year from all of us here at JM in the AM.
Thank you. 
J.M. in the A.M. with Micha Gammerman from Moadei Yisrael, his Yamim Noroyim medley, his uh, High Holiday medley here at J.M. in the A.M. It's era of the High Holidays. Tonight begins Rosh Hashanah. Happy, healthy, sweet New Year to all. Candle lighting at 645. Again, 645 candle lighting on this era of Shabbos and era of Yom Tov. Make sure you know when candle lighting is where you are. We're based in the New York, New Jersey area. So again, 645 candle lighting. Today, the 40th anniversary of JM and the AM. I started Era of Rosh Hashanah 1983. 40 years later, all I could say to all our supporters and friends and those who give us enthusiasm and encouragement is thank you. Thank you to all of you. Big thank you to everybody for yesterday, all of our special guests, and of course, to Mark Zamek, to L.E.Y. Katz, to Doug Sokloff, uh, to uh, Rabbi Chaim Hagler, who I'm giving a special shout-out to, and to all the others, uh, a very, very big thank you. Yesterday was a very, very special morning here at JM, and one I never, ever dreamt about, frankly. Pretty amazing. Harry Rothenberg has uh, words for us regarding the upcoming holiday. Here he is on JM in the AM. Uh, we will present Harry's words again uh, for a schus of a refor shlema for Ruchama Chana Etel Baschava, Ruchama Chana Etel Bas Chava. Harry Rothenberg at JM in the AM. A rabbi once offered the following analogy. Rosh Hashanah is like getting your photograph taken. Yom Kippur is like going to the doctor. What does he mean? When you get your photograph taken, you hide all of your imperfections. You put makeup on, you comb your hair, you suck in your gut, you stand up taller. We don't show any imperfections on Rosh Hashanah. We don't talk about our sins. Whereas on Yom Kippur, going to the doctor, you show all your imperfections. You want the doctor to see all the things that are wrong with you so that he can cure you. On Yom Kippur, we talk about all of our sins and we regret them and we repent in the hope that God will forgive us and we'll gain atonement. So I get how that works on Yom Kippur. But how does that work on Rosh Hashanah? When we show up in our new suits and ties and dresses, makeup on, hair combed, standing a little taller, is God fooled? Does God say, you know, I never realized just how good-looking you are. I'm going to give you a really good judgment this year. Who are we kidding? Maybe the answer is this. When I was a teenager, I was in camp one summer, and there was a division or unit head, and once a week, he would inspect all the bunks. And the bunks had to be immaculately cleaned. And each person's bed had to be made perfectly. And we'd stand by our beds, and he'd come by and inspect. And we had no question. No doubt as to if the bed wasn't perfect, would he kill us or not? We knew he would kill us. The only question was, would he kill us slowly and painfully or would he do it quickly? He was a complete psychopath. So you better believe when he walked into the bunk, we each stood taller at attention, not for ourselves, but for him. Kavod, respect. We were scared, wanted to show some awe, some reverence. And he wasn't fooled. He knew that the rest of the week, the bunks were pigsties but he knew that he asked for them to be clean once a week, and we did for him. And so similarly, not because God's a psychopath, furthest thing from it, but we are fearful. These are the days of judgment. We have awe, we have reverence. But more importantly, we want to show God that we understand what Rosh Hashanah is. It's his once a year coronation. When he gets the crown put on his head, when he's crowned once again, the king 
of the universe, the King of Kings. And we want to show him how much we love him and respect him. We want to show him honor. So when we put on our nice clothes, we're not doing it to impress the person down the road from us at services in shul. We're doing it for God. So think about that. When you put your dress on or put your tie on, God, I'm doing this for you. I'm putting my best foot forward because I'm so excited to be there at your coronation. And once we crown God the king on Rosh Hashanah, then we can get to work or get back to work with the difficult job of repenting each of our sins and hopefully gaining atonement next week on Yom Kippur. I want to wish each and every one of you Iksiva v'chasim tova. May we all be inscribed this year on Rosh Hashanah in the Book of Life.
Ever since I was a child, I followed in your ways. Now that I am older, it is harder, I must say. I have my own free will, still I choose you. Being a servant's not a burden when you're working for the king. Who loves you like a son and daughter only wants to bring you closer. Bring me close. Oh, when I flew so far from where you Ayoy, 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 ayoy
Call that the Rosh Hashanah Up Mix, which DJ Favreng and Yoni Z are responsible for. Gilad and Effie Petolsky before that with Hayom Haras Olam. You heard Aryeh Kunzler and Itzik Dadja together with Avodat Halev. Atazo Cher, brand new from Mordechai and David and Yishai Rebo. And of course, Dvekis had the Rosh Hashanah here. At JM in the AM. We've got, uh, we're going to get to Malcolm Honeline as soon as we can. Uh, Rabbi Yudin has a very, very long presentation for Erev Rosh Hashanah for us, which we will get to, I'm sure, chock full of information for the upcoming Chag, uh, which is tomorrow and Sunday. Candle lighting in New York, 645. Tonight it's Shabbos and Yontif. Tomorrow night it's Yontif. Both nights, Shech Yanu. We finally got that straight after 40 years. And I want to thank everybody who came out yesterday and participated in our big celebration. Today is the official 40th anniversary of JM and the AM. I began Erev Rosh Hashanah back in 1983. We actually played, we had late in the show yesterday, we actually played the recording of that broadcast, which in many ways sounds the same and in many ways sounds very different. It's, the whole thing was fascinating and interesting. And a big thank you to Mark Zomik and my entire staff, and all the wonderful volunteers, and of course to L.E.Y. Katz and Yaakov over at Poppies on West Englewood Avenue in Teaneck, New Jersey, and to Doug Sokloff and to everybody who had a role in yesterday's celebration. A day of real reminiscing, uh, and a lot of fun, frankly, and I hope everybody who was tuned in found it fun. Got a lot of tremendous reaction, both through the app comments and through texts and WhatsApps. Seemed everybody enjoyed. So a big thank you and happy anniversary to all. And, of course, we wish all of our friends and supporters and those who encourage us on a daily basis for the last 40 years and hopefully for the next 40 years, a Shana Tova happy, healthy, and sweet New Year. Our friends at JewishWorldReview.com have thousands of articles that you could print out before the Chag and spend Yuntif afternoon tomorrow, uh, the couple hours you have in the afternoon, and on Sunday uh, reading up on what's happening with Israel and the Jewish world. A lot of inspiring articles as well this time of year. So check out JewishWorldReview.com and enjoy. Malcolm Honline is vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays for the weekly update. This one, the final weekly update for the year 5783. Mr. Honline, Shana Tova, and welcome back to JM in the AM. Shana Tova to you and to everyone. Hopefully a great brand new year for everybody. And of course, we'll get your message regarding the brand new year coming up toward the end of this 
conversation. Uh, let's start with this. Why not? <laughs> Why not uh, end uh, the year with a story that really is one uh, that we could uh, we, that we could report on and read probably any random day in the last two thousand years. In this case, though, of course. It has to do with some of our modern institutions. Once again, American university campuses are at the forefront of hostile anti-Israel and anti-Semitic activity bordering on the absurd. On September 22nd through the 24th, in the midst of the Jewish High Holidays, the University of Pennsylvania is hosting the Palestine Rights Literature Festival with known anti-Israel, pro-terror, and anti-Semitic speakers such as Roger Waters, Mark Lamont Hill, Nora Erekat, and representatives from U.S. designated Palestinian terror groups such as the PFLP, as well as representatives from their affiliates. Mr. Honline, your reaction to this story? Well, it's one of uh, a number this week that relate to the American campuses and something we've talked about for years. I know the ADL came out with a number of 665 incidents on the campuses in uh, the academic year of uh, 2023. And uh, many of those were protests and other kind of events, but also harassment and, and a few of vandalism. And this is almost double the year before. And this is the shift that we've seen is away from BDS activity, though that continues, and more, uh, more blatant anti-Israel and anti-Zionist activity on the campus meant to intimidate Jewish students, prevent pro-Israel activities, but now become much more assertive, as is the case at the University of Pennsylvania, where I did my doctoral work and taught uh, a few years ago. <laughs> and the, to, to, to see the deterioration, and it's one manifestation of it. The university supposedly put out a statement or was due to put out a statement. I don't know if they actually ever got the, uh, the uh, strength, of the, the internal fortitude to actually do it. But they that to bring on campus Roger Walters and other uh, Waters and other known anti-Semites and anti-Israel activists to to um, allow them to use a campus facility. They would not let it happen were it to be a, a hostile to other ethnic uh, or, or racial groupings and to have an organized hate fest uh, on the campus. And I think it's it's uh, indicative of what we're going to be facing in the year ahead. The campus is, is the breeding ground. More than half of Jewish students say that they have in some way experienced anti-Semitic incidents or witnessed it. The, the um, numbers grow each year. The intensity grows each year. And remember that we're talking about the next generation of, of leaders will be infected with these terrible ideas and Jewish faculty coming under, and pro-Israel faculty, Jewish and non-Jewish, uh, coming under increasing uh, assault and pressure. And uh, as one professor told a friend of mine at a major gathering, which addressed the Middle East and scholars and others were there for an hour and never mentioned Israel. And we have a discussion on, on the Middle East and, and he said something. And she turned to him and said, I'm a professor at this major university and I can't mention Israel in my classroom until I'm a tenured professor or I will have no future. Wow. What a in statement. A university in a, in a near New York City in the new york area and it's it's one of so many reports that we get constantly in Nahum. you people 
I can, I know you have to tell people what they can accept and what they can believe. And, you know, you don't tell them more than that because then they reject the whole thing. Yeah. But, you know, the average person has to be told something nine times before they actually believe it. I think today people are starting really to, to believe it. I'm not an Ivy leaguer, um, but, but I am, I mean, in my college years and even beyond that, and I'm sure, uh, the era you were referring to regarding yourself, I, I think you would say the same thing. University of Pennsylvania had a very, very strong reputation for being uh, for being uh, uh, well liked in the Jewish community, and and vice versa. Uh, and and they always had a tremendous Jewish presence on campus. I it, I mean, it sounds like the entire atmosphere there is just very different than it might have been. I don't know, twenty, thirty years ago. Yes, and also because they've instituted a quota pen to freshman classes, I think, had at least 25% Jewish students. Now, like other major universities, they're limiting it, from what we can tell, to under 6%. Wow. And this is uh, true, by the way, Harvard, Yale, other major universities, you see the demographic shift. Uh, it's noticeable on campus. Penn's camp Jewish life was very strong. It still is. It's still an active campus, but the um, uh, the when you cut the numbers so dramatically and people feel the lack of presence from before, then that is only one manifestation of it. And and when some administration people uh, at the university were confronted by it, the question they said, "No, we don't have way." And then called back weeks later and said, "We did not know." You know, it's funny, at the beginning of the, ni- of the 20th century, it was very difficult, if, if at all possible, depending on the university, for a Jew to be admitted to an Ivy League undergrad program in this country. And now it seems at the beginning of the 21st century, we're back to the same type of system, that if you are a typical, whatever that means, uh, Jew, woman or man, uh, you know, with a typical Jewish background, and that I mean geography, etc. I think everyone knows I'm alluding to. Uh, if you have that, even with the strongest SATs and the greatest grades, th- based on what you're saying, odds are you're not getting in. I can tell you kids who have almost perfect records in their high schools, in the top high schools, are not getting accepted into major universities. And there are some universities that are reaching out, Wash U, uh, Brown, others, very good schools that are taking advantage of this and opening up their um, enrollment to more Jewish students uh, or attracting more Jewish students. I think that the, the um, until World War II, there were very strict quotas. After the war, people, the universities needed money and the Jewish students paid tuition and they, uh, you know, the parents worked hard, not because they had money, but because they were so devoted to getting their kids good Jewish, good, good education so they could get jobs when they faced discrimination in many ways, you know, and and the um, and now we're seeing the reinstitution of those kind of limits. Uh, United Nations General Assembly set to begin after Rosh Hashanah. We've been discussing it. We were curious about the prime minister's schedule, etc. Now the rumor is that uh, although he'll be welcomed at the United Nations, he will not be welcomed at the White House. Do you have an update for us regarding how Washington plans on treating or not treating the prime minister this upcoming week? Yeah, he heard there was going to be a kiddish at the White House. And he, so he <laughs> found out there's no kiddish and uh, no free lunch. He's got, they're going to meet on the sidelines at the United Nations. and Hopefully a formal invitation will be extended for him to come at a separate time to um, to meet with President Washington.
Yeah, and that could be meaning months from now, right? Meaning the actual date could be months from now. It's not like they're it could be, right. And not I'm I'm, not, I'm I'm just wondering if it could if it could calendarically if it could affect the the election here, like if it's the advantage or disadvantage of President Biden to have Netanyahu here at a specific time, not a specific time. But as as I think about it more and more, it's probably irrelevant, right, in terms of the effect it could have. Because sometimes you invite the prime minister and people think uh, that uh, you, you know you're trying to uh, uh, coddle the Jewish vote and uh, you know things like that. But it's probably irrelevant in this case, right? Largely, and the way they have demonized that Netanyahu has been demonized here. Uh, it uh, probably does not have a major political impact. Yeah, even right. though you know, there are people in Congress and else who have called on the administration, you know, to welcome him and to send the right message. And uh, you know, I think you know, much more concern about the release of six billion dollars to the Iranians and what yeah. this means to Israel than uh, the snub. Though it, it does send a message to the region and. The idea that uh, the relationship with U.S. is impacted by how good your relationship with Israel, if you diminish that, you've taken away a very important asset. Yeah, I mean, uh, you walk around saying they're our most important ally in the Middle East. Treat them like you're the, they're the most important ally in the Middle East. By the way, is it done? Is it a done deal? Is all $6 billion transferred already? No. Which, no, mean, it, which means a, por- a portion? The Iranians haven't haven't identified yet the prisoners that they they want. Oh. <laughs> they are saying that they are going to uh, they they named them on uh, on Tuesday, um, and then the U.S. has to to agree to it. They also have to set up a system where the U.S. says that the six billion dollars in frozen assets in South Korea uh, are going to be monitored, and that the U.S. will have. An ability to control. First of all, the money's fungible. We know that, right? But, but the the um, uh, the cold, all the conditions that need to be uh, set, I think, are are still in the works. And the uh, you know the American people, I think, when they, they will, will, are not very enthusiastic about it. Certainly, Congress is not um, enthusiastic about uh, any of this. And and what we have seen is that the the U.S. has essentially cleared the way for the uh, bank waivers to be able to transfer the money and not suffer for, you know, from the sanctions. And this is money is going to go to Qatar, where um, U.S. sanctions, which is a major issue, um, are not going to be uh, relevant. So, and and then you saw that Raisi, who is coming to New York, by the way. Uh, and and is uh, holding meetings with groups of people. Uh, you know, I don't think that that should be allowed in any event. They, they have to under the UN agreement that let it in, but he, he could be designated as a terrorist and as has been by others. In other instances, the the regime is certainly a terrorist regime. But they're talking now that the the. Um, that Raisi says that he will spend the $6 billion as he wants and humanitarian means whatever the Iranian people need and the needs of the Iranian people will be decided by the Iranian government. So already before he even gets the money, he is throwing it in the face of uh, the American counterparts. So, and we don't know how much other money will eventually be released. I think that the, the intention is to try to monitor it, but we know that that's virtually impossible and how they're continuing to, to provide funds 
and uh, resources. You saw that Iran is building an airport in southern Lebanon near the border with Israel, within 12 miles of the border of Israel. Wow. The purely, um, it, it's near Jezin, which is in uh, southeastern Lebanon, and the um, for terror purposes. And Galan, the defense minister, showed satellite pictures showing, uh, and you can even see the Iranian flag flying over the runways. And they, this is, uh, you know, they're spending the money in, in not for the benefit of the people, not for food, not for any humanitarian purposes, but for the purposes that they determine. And that is for continuing terror to support the groups, to support the, the whole network of terrorist operations ar- around Israel. Wow. Does Raisi, by the way, get the chance to address the General Assembly? That won't happen. You know, it does happen. I think he's going to do it on uh, wow. Friday, the same day Netanyahu does. I'll tell you, they, they, they get an equal amount of, uh, of coverage, respect, covered, if you will. They get elected for all the committees. They get to chair. I mean, the committees on discrimination against women. Can you imagine the, the country that is doing what arresting thousands of women? And anybody who doesn't wear the job by their rules, I mean, it's it's unbelievable to, to, to the Human Rights Council, the major violator of human rights in the world. Uh, I didn't realize that the I didn't realize a year ago that the year five, seven, eight, three would end uh, still with a backwards world. But I guess that's what we have. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world of web at NalcolmSingle.com on the NalcolmSingle Network. And of course, in the beloved NSN app, Malcolm Holmline is vice chairman. Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, final weekly update for 5783. I don't know if Libya was offered, uh, you could tell us, in terms of the floods, but Morocco actually rejected uh, an effort by Israel to come and aid after the earthquake. Is that accurate? Well, I wouldn't say they rejected. They just didn't accept it. Uh, but not just from Israel, from many countries, from France, from others. They accepted from four or five countries, Qatar, UAE, I don't remember the others, but uh, from a few. And in part, they say they don't have the resources to accommodate uh, all of these people who want to come in and, and help. There are Israelis working in the uh, earthquake areas, but they're coming from voluntary organizations. And I think uh, you can see some of the and other vests on the people that are, are there sometimes in the pictures. And they are working in the mountains. Actually, they've gone up there to bring relief efforts, packages to do um, emergency medical treatment, minor stuff, but also to help in the evacuation. It's a very difficult area. You can't have most of the places are inaccessible by vehicle. Uh, You can only get there by helicopter. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think that they were just not in a position. But it's not just uh, Israel that, that they didn't accept it, didn't reject it. I think that they didn't know what they could accommodate. And uh, and I'm assuming that there's there are no Israelis in Libya working there. There are no Israelis. There are individual Israelis who actually did some business there. Um, but no, there are not. Uh, and as far as I know, there are no rescue units going to, to Libya. The United States has uh, increased its security commitment to Bahrain. Now, I'm, 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 it, when I read this story, they compared it to what the U.S. has and has not done for the UAE, the commitments meaning for the UAE and others in the Middle East. I'm, I'm confused because why would Bahrain get this special treatment, especially as we, I think, as we've discussed, the United States is trying to you know, show both the UAE and, and, other, uh, air, and other countries in that region that we are a dependable ally. 
uh, right. <laughs> so uh, the, we, we are giving them, uh, and it looks like we're going to sign an agreement. Uh, one of it, is, the part of it is contingent on the human rights violations, which they say they will address uh, some of the concerns that were raised by the United States. Uh, Bahrain is a, is a true ally, and it is a, a major target of Iran. Uh, it is the gateway to Saudi Arabia. It's 14 miles across the causeway to, to the waterway to, to the Katif region where the oil, uh, Saudi Arabia's oil is largely located, and which is largely a, a Shiite area that Iran constantly tries to exploit. Bahrain is very significant. Also, we have our fleet based in Bahrain, and we have the naval fleet, and we have uh, uh, other facilities there. So it's a small place. You know, it's not a major force in the in the region. It's an important place. And so I think that this deal is uh, maybe an incentive to others to to um, hopefully come to some understanding with the United States as well. No, I get it now. It's a necessity to be more invested in Bahrain. I mean, now it makes sense because uh, of the situation you just described. And maybe the UAE is not as dependent uh, or in the future things they won't be as dependent on the U.S. as other countries, uh, in fact, do. I mean, Bahrain, as you just described, is literally a threat from Iran. I don't know if the UAE actually feels that way, right? If the UAE feels that it's a, it is threatened by Iran, they do. Of course, they do. No, but they I'm saying, that. but I'm saying, in terms of le- in terms of level of concern, it sounds like Bahrain is higher than the UAE would be. It, yes, it is. Right. Um. The uh, Supreme Court in Israel as the brand new year begins. Is, and now explain to me how this is going on. They're now hearing arguments from each side in terms of the decision that they have to make about their own role in, in judicial reform going forward. As you know, this issue makes my brain hurt. <laughs> I never understand it. And every time I thought I understood something, I find out that I didn't understand it correctly. Uh, so the... But essentially, yes, they're determining now they're hearing um, presentations and then we'll make a decision. Uh, and there are people, I mean, it's quite interesting. It's like a Gemara session where there are people who are interpreting the questions of the judge, indication of what their likely outcome will be of the decisions. But I think it's premature for that. Uh, the question is, what happens if they, you know, if they rule against the government, does the government ignore it does the government adhere to it you know many people say you know government has to adhere to the decisions but on the other hand it's exactly the that we face that the supreme court can overrule or it becomes the government in essence uh so it goes to the core uh, of uh, of the problem maybe it will be an incentive during this time that they can reach some sort of an understanding though i know there are continuing efforts to try to reach some sort of compromise uh, or maybe people will wait to see the outcome of this before they uh, they move ahead. But the, you know the the opposition has to be incentivized also because right now they gain from as long as the tensions continue. But Israel loses, and we see it the economic impact, the the perceptive uh, impact of this. I think it's very important. You know, while Israel hosts huge conferences and investors still come and. But there definitely is a, a financial and other impact in, on, on people. I don't think it, a lot of what they're saying, you know, citing statistics that are not necessarily 
attributable just to this development, but it does have an undermining effect. And I speak to a lot of Israelis on all sides of the issue, and everybody wants to see this over. Does it come up in the Biden-Netanyahu meeting next week? 100%. Well, it doesn't have to wait for that. The American government speaks about it all the time and tells, you know, the president has addressed it, others. You know, it's part of the price of having such a close relationship that the government gets involved in who runs a major museum in Israel, the government gets involved in other issues, which we don't do in other countries. Yeah. Uh, and uh, here, this is really an internal matter. I understand, you know, perceptions and others are impacted by it. But, you know, I'm not sure that they would have this level of uh, of intervention and comment, et cetera, but, uh, in, in terms of other countries where, look at France, the violations uh, that are going on there and the incidents, and yet you don't hear this kind of criticism and, and comments. About to hit 10 million people in Israel, uh, 8 million of them approximately Jews, and it is that small number <laughs> that, that creates such a desire among other nations and leaders, including in the United States leaders, to intervene and to, uh, and to dictate uh, to the country what they should or should not be doing to the level that you just described. It's, it's, it's pretty remarkable. When you, you know, it's a good day of reflection, right? It's the last day of the year. It's pretty remarkable when you think of it that way, right? Such a small number of people in a tiny little country has the effect that you just described regarding foreign policy. It is quite remarkable. We'll reach the 10 million, God willing, at the end of this this year, I think. And um, if you would have told people that Israel would be a population of 10 million, 70 some percent of them Jews, and the balance seems to remain pretty constant, right. uh, that the people would have said that that was not really uh, possible, that, that that was a dream. And, you know, we, we don't appreciate how much Israel has grown and absorbed the populations. And, you know, with all of the problems that Israel has, the fact is that it's still a, a miracle every day. And with a relatively stable economy and with high tech and, and billions of dollars going in and out on a constant basis. I mean, you know, if you were to if you were to destroy, they may have they may have been able to comprehend previous generations may have been able to comprehend the 10 million number. I don't know if they would have gotten the whole commerce thing in the way that uh, uh, that businesses operate now and investors look toward Israel and Israel, you know, brings the world so many, you know, many innovations that may have been the more difficult part for them to believe. And, and too much, too many of us take for granted. If you think of the burdens that Israel has faced, the, the terrorism, the wars, the constant pressure, the need to spend money on defense, on security, on guards everywhere, on all of that. And yet the economy can boom the way it has. And, you know, there are still people there who don't have the food sufficiency. There are a lot <laughs> below poverty line. But the economic miracle is undeniable and, and is the envy of countries around the world. Jeffrey's company just had a, a major conference there with a record attendance, uh, I think, and the uh, other conferences that are, are being held. It, it's incredible. And, and you see the, the role that Israel plays in, in the, the region that uh, with the, from water tech, the agri-tech, the, the basic the needs of life that African countries want, that Asian countries want, and that other Arab countries want. whole thing is remarkable. All right, I told you that, or I said to the audience that uh, we have a comprehensive um, 
uh, discussion from Rabbi Yudin, so we have to cut things a drop short, but I don't want to do so without the two things. We'll do this uh, end-of-year message in two parts. First of all, uh, I always feel a responsibility, Malcolm, just to remind all the synagogues, all the auxiliary gatherings that are taking place. There are a lot of facilities being used, Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, that are not used and therefore not secured properly year-round. There's no need year-round to secure them properly. So I think it's just important to remind everybody that they should pay careful attention tonight as they go to synagogue in terms of the safety situation, uh, the uh, the emergency contingency plans, where the phones in shuls are, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I know obviously uh, you join me in reminding everybody about this. We not only join them in reminding people about it, but it is essential. This year, we saw more than 50 cases of, of what is called swatting. In, in, in the last two months, um, there were 50 shuls that had to evacuate the uh, their congregations uh, over Shabbos, uh, dominating and stuff because of these false reports. Swatting is where, you know, they call up and they say there's an armed attack taking place, et cetera. Right. And they get to the law enforcement, fire departments, others have to come out. And, uh, you know, it becomes a danger because then they become suspect when they get uh, such calls, although they continue to respond. But it's one of the things that, uh, you know, people have to know how to respond and how to not create panic. Uh, and therefore, the training in advance is, is really uh, critical. We, we don't diminish at all the concerns we have about people who've come into this country, maybe from uh, Iranians or others with hostile intent, the um, the need for people to take, as we talked, what, 10 years about this need for um, to take seriously the threats uh, that are uh, uh, targeting us more than any other, uh, as much as any other community, although we do see rise in anti-other groups uh, coming up. So people, please listen to what Nachum is saying go to to the scan go to CSS go to other groups that are providing assistance and uh, make sure you take all the steps necessary not to dissuade people from coming but to make sure you offer them the safest atmosphere for them yeah especially again because on the high holidays uh, locations that are not normally used for services are being used everyone pay careful attention set things up uh, properly uh, to everyone's benefit please god and finally of course malcolm uh, your message for the new year you just gave a a great message regarding uh, appreciating israel but in general uh, you know how this audience uh, always demands that you uh, uh, that you include uh, some words of uh, of positive reinforcement about about the jewish world our tradition our heritage your thoughts as 5784 begins I think that the most important message I would derive from this year, and I had much longer thing prepared to say, but I want to say that the bottom line message is that we have to stress the importance of Achdus, of the unity of Klal Yisrael. When you see all the references adopting to the singular and to the, for, for how we are, are told that the essence of, of, uh, of our ability to go to Kaddish Baruch is when we go there as a united people, and that we've seen that the bonds are being rent asunder, that our enemies recognize this, and they're the ones who take advantage of it. And, um, you know, when you see the the um, statements in the davening about Mispar Hadoros Lafanov, that the parents transmitting to the secrets uniting with past generations, but unity has to be across time and across generations that we draw inspirations from the past. But the one lesson we learn consistently 
is Achdus. And when Jews are fighting Jews, as we see today, and I think that there are sinews that have been broken and important links that are endangered between people in Israel and, and elsewhere, that it's spreading this cancer and that those who are seeking to divide are reveling in what has happened this year, that the, all the energy, all the uh, money, all the cost that somehow there are people able to discover instead of investing that in those who don't have those who need elderly young those who can't afford a jewish education that that we have to reassess the priorities of our community mm-hmm. and it's obviously a much more a much longer and a more important message but this year more than ever that we have to be we know that this is the condition that a Kaddish Baruch Hu sets for every great miracle that's happened to the Jewish people is when we stand united. Phenomenal and so important. And it's easier to be united during tough times. Let's not, God forbid, make the one above, make things more difficult for us just to get that unity. Let's do it on our own. Malcolm, I take this opportunity to wish you and your family a happy, healthy, sweet new year. We should have a great 5784 together and share wonderful Simchadik occasions together in the upcoming year. Amen. And only good news. We're going to really pledge that we're going to make sure <laughs> that everything, everything is only going to be positive and, uh, and, you know, you can listen to some of the other stuff, but uh, we're going to have only good things this year. Certainly going to focus on the positive, happy, healthy, sweet New York. And I thank you. Uh, there will be a weekly update. Please God next week, everybody, the first one of the year uh, coming up on Erev Shabbos. Shuva. This time each and every Friday morning, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader emeritus, Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Today, of course, Rabbi Yudin concentrates on the upcoming holiday of Rosh Hashanah. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. And whoa, good Erev Yom Tov. What a special day this is as we prepare for Emir Tzashem, the new year of Tafshin Pei Dalid. And remember, I always begin by telling us how careful we are to be at the Mincha this year, today, the last Mincha of the year in the Shemona Esrei. Porech Oleinu, Hashem Elokeinu, Es Hashona Hazos. We ask God to bless this year. How many minutes are left from this year? Maybe 15, okay, or less? The answer is every minute requires His bracha. That's what we should pause and think about and appreciate that we've made it. Thank you, Hashem, to the finish line of this year and our prayer, as we'll talk about later on, to finish next year and please God many more. Talking about please God many more, I want to begin on behalf of everybody to wish a very special Mazel Tov to Nachum Siegel on the occasion of his completing 40 years of hosting JM in the AM. Wow, what a personal privilege it has been for me to work with Nachum all these 40 years. I'm just gonna share a very quick Dvar Torah in honor 
of that occasion, at the end of Parshas Kisavo, in beginning of Perak Choftes 29 in Devarim, the Torah says, and Moshe appreciates that, God did not give you literally a heart to know eyes to see ears to hear till this day and the Gemara in Avodah 5b teaches that a student does not fully understand his teacher until after 40 years. It was now 40 years since Moshe had led them out of Egypt so that he told them that God would now begin to expect more of them. Nachum, look what you have accomplished, starting 40 years ago. Not just the number of persons that you have, please God, brought Jewish life, excitement, identification, news, accompanying children off to the school with music in the background and bringing to us the pride of being a Jew. And I'm just touching such a small part. And you started small. And look, where you are now. And now, as we said a moment ago, after 40 years, Hashem now begins to expect more of Klai Yisrael, Man Nachum, wow. And we are saying on your behalf, the best is yet to come. In good health, you and Stacy and family, you should continue to be mashpia, to have this positive influence and I'm going to keep those two words again, Jewish pride, being proud to be a Jew. Wow. Thank you, Nachum. And thank you for the many, many, and many more persons that all of us feel uplifted through JM in the AM. Okay, let's get to work. And there's a lot to do regarding Rosh Hashanah. I'll try to go in order. So... Many of the men have already had Hatoras Nadorim this morning. If not, one could do Hatoras Nadorim through a series you made Shuva, especially on Erev Yom Kippur. Now, tonight, Kajantiv, and it's also Shabbos. So, Kajabis Kajantiv, number one. In our Mayrev tonight, we start adding four additions to the Shemona Esrei and one very important change. We add Zohreinu L'chaim and Michomocha and Uchsov L'chaim and Besef L'chaim to the Shemona Esrei. If one is a big shot and they don't need the Marzor and they know it by heart, then if you leave any one of these four out, you don't have to repeat the Shemona Esrei. But you don't want to be that big shot. Davin from the Mauser. Get it in. It's there for a purpose. 
But most important is the change from Okel HaKadosh to Melech HaKadosh. That God is king. This is the essence of Rosh Hashanah. We are coronating Hashem, noting that He is king. The, the shape of your challah tonight, talk about it. It's the shape of a crown. It's round. Again, what are we doing? We are coronating Hashem. Whoa. <clears throat> All right. So remember, you've said the right things, and we have Vayachulu afterwards, as we do on every Friday night. Good. There's a beautiful custom that we wish each other a, not only we should be blessed for immediately the altar l'chaim tovim, because as the Gemara Rosh Hashanah says, that the righteous are judged immediately for good on Rosh Hashanah. The benunim, those who are mm -hmm. in the middle, so to speak, they need the 10 days of tshuva. We look upon each other that you are the righteous one, and therefore you should be inscribed immediately. But we know ourselves that we need the 10 days of tshuva. Tonight, very important, and a big change from the normal, and that is as follows. We're going to, whatever your custom is, yes, sing, say, how many, Shalom Aleichem, it's Shabbos. Good, get an that's for sure. And you're gonna make Kiddush, wonderful. Kiddush, you can include Shabbos, Rosh Hashanah, wonderful, from the Mahzor. And you're gonna wash, Good, you're gonna make hamotzi. Your custom, you're gonna have salt on the table, you're gonna dip it in honey, whatever your family custom is. But now that you've made hamotzi, here comes the exception to the rule. We're gonna bring out the apple and you're going to make a bracha of bore prior eights on that apple, even though you've made hamotzi. Why should you make the Amotzi covers it. And the answer is, you're eating this food because it is ceremonial. I'm eating this food, as Rashi says in Parshas Toldos, that when Yitzchak smells the garments that Yaakov is wearing, so Rashi tells us that the Reach Bini, Kareach Asada, he had the scent from the, of a Gan Eden, Whoa, and Rashi says, like a sedeta puchim, a field of apples. The apple reminds us of Ganeden, that not only are the living judged, but the deceased are judged on Rosh Hashanah as well. Our positive actions are not only meritorious for us, but for the deceased as well. Okay, and therefore, the proper way, take a bite, make a bori prayer eats, take a bite of the apple. After you've swallowed, dip the apple in honey. Recite Hebrew, English. It should be a sweet new year. Hashem, please grant us that sweet new year. 
dip it in the honey, and then eat the apple. Okay. Now, there is a prevalent custom throughout the Jewish world based upon the Talmud that teaches Simna Milsa, that oftentimes we have various signs that we communicate with them and give a certain addition to our prayers. You don't only need a machzar, you can pray with a pomegranate, you can pray with a date, you can pray with a carrot, with a gourd, with leeks, with the head of a fish, the head of a sheep, all these things, the rabbis look at it and say, oh, this I associate as a prayer, and I can pray with these foods, Hashem, please, like the, the seeds of a pomegranate, increase my good deeds. What am I saying? I want more. That's it. I want more life. I want more opportunity to do good. Wow. That's what these various foods uh, you know, are to communicate to us. And this is what we say. As, but once you've made the Bore Prio eights on the apple, you don't have to make a Bore Prio eights on any of the other fruits. And should you eat carrots or other vegetables, gourd or leeks or beets, you don't have to make a Bore Prio Adama because your mozi has covered them. Okay. Moving on, it is now tomorrow morning, first day of, don't forget the Albiava when you're benching tonight, and Ritzay. Okay, use this, use this sitter. Okay, now, tomorrow morning, here we are. So, our shachos, again, we include the additions, and especially, don't forget, for this you have to go back. If you said, okay, Allah, instead of a melech, for that, you have to go back. The other four, not okay. Now, we have, we don't say Ovinu Malkeinu on Shabbos. Why? Because it is reminiscent of the weekday Shemona Esrei, and the rabbis were good to us, and they didn't want to, on Shabbos, remind us of the many needs that we have personal needs, communal needs. I need parnasa, I need refuah, I need a shirach, I need. No, not on Shabbos, and therefore we don't say Avinu Malkeinu on Shabbos. Okay, the Kriya Torah for the first day of Rosh Hashanah. So we read from towards the end of Vayera in Bereshis, and we read Hashem Pokades Sora. Hashem remembered Sora. And Sora Batar became pregnant. On Rosh Hashanah, it was decreed that Avram and Sora would have a child. On Rosh Hashanah, it was decreed that Yaakov and Rachel would have a child. On Rosh Hashanah, it was decreed that Elimelech and Hannah would have a child. The idea is that Rosh Hashanah, take out in your mind 
not only are we saying Hashem Tokad is Sarah, Hashem remembers each, put your name in, put the names of those people in. Hashem remembers everyone, and please God will judge them favorably as he judged Sarah. So much to say about the Kriyasa Torah. Let's move on. From the Kriyasa Torah and in the Haftorah, the Haftorah for the first day of Rosh Hashanah comes from the book of Shmuel because we read of the birth of Shmuel. Okay, his name is O'Connor. I'm sorry, I said some other name before. It was decreed on Rosh Hashanah that O'Connor and Chana would have a child. We read from the Torah on the first day of Rosh Hashanah, the prayer of Chana. You'll count how many times Hashem's name is found in Chano's prayer, thanking Hashem for the gift of her child, Shmuel, and that is the number of brachos that we have in the Shemona Esrei of Musa of Rosh Hashanah, which we'll talk about, the longest Shemona Esrei. All other Shemona Esreis on Shabbos and Yom Tov contain seven brachos. This one contains nine brachos. And in addition, we learn from this um, Haftorah, how to daven. We find over here that Chana comes and how does she daven? Eli is watching her and he sees amazing that he midaberes aliba, she was speaking from the heart. Raks was oz, only her lips were moving. Vikola lo yishamea but her voice was not heard. Guess what? Every Shmona Esrei, we follow Chana. A woman teaches us how to pray because they are more emotional. Yes, we are to put emotion into our prayer. We see this from the Haftorah. Okay, now, the Kriya Torah for the second day is the Akedah and uh, the Kriyas HaTorah for the second day of Rosh Hashanah. Is from Yirmiyahu. Whoa. And what is that all about? That is Rachel Imenu, Rachel Mavakwa Abonera. She stole crying for her children. Guess what? Biyesh Tikvala Achri Secha Kodesh Barachu says, Guess what? There is value to your crying. Hashem promises, Vishavu Bonim Ligvulam. Guess what? We're going home. That has to be our aspiration. That's what we learned from Rachel Imeno. Incredible how both Haftorahs are dominated by great Jewish women. The Kriyasa Torah 
Hashem Pokad Esora. Wow. Rosh Hashanah. Okay, let's go from Kriyas Torah to the mitzvah of the day of Rosh Hashanah, which is the biblical mitzvah of Shofar. Now, believe me, there is no verse in the Torah that says, blow a shofar on Rosh Hashanah. No. The Torah calls Rosh Hashanah Zichro Trua in Parshas Emor. The Torah calls Rosh Hashanah Yom Trua in Parshas Pinchas. The first thing to remember is the Yerushalmi. Why are we not going to blow the shofar on the first day of Rosh Hashanah, on Shabbos? So, the Rishalmi says, there's a hint to this from the Torah saying, Zichron, there's a time on Rosh Hashanah where I only remember the shofar, which is when Rosh Hashanah is on a Shabbos. However, the Bavli gives another reason. We don't blow the shofar on Rosh Hashanah, lest a Jew somewhere will carry the shofar in a situation where there was no Erev and there would be a desecration of Shabbos. Whoa! What does it mean? Stop and pause tomorrow and think about this. Talk about this tonight. Talk about it tomorrow at lunch. How important is Shabbos and how important is having an Erev or to work without the Erev, meaning to keep Shabbat without the Erev. Come on, it's only a key, it's a, I can't care, it's a shofar, whoa. The answer is Shabbos trumps shofar. And that's something which is so important to remember, the sanctity of Shabbos, both positive and the quote, holy restrictions of Shabbos. Okay. So now, from these two uh, terms in the Torah about Shofar, Zichron Trua and Yom Trua, Rav Salavichik, Zichron Levracha, taught beautifully that, number one, in terms of Sunday, when we will blow the Shofar, Yom Trua teaches us it's a day of blowing. Zichron Trua teaches us that I'm to have an understanding of the shofar. The Torah doesn't tell us why, but the Chachamim, Rav Sajigaon, suggested no less than 10 reasons for the blowing of the shofar on Rosh Hashanah. The art scroll, Machzor, for Rosh Hashanah, has a page which lists these 10 thoughts that the shofar is to remind us. Be it, Hashem is the creator. Be it that the shofar blew at Sinai. And there will be a shofar to announce the coming of Moshiach, beginning and, quote, end of our history and destiny, accompanied by a shofar. Let's not forget, a shofar is there. Ta-da, ta-da-da-da-da-da. We are coronating Hashem. Just as when there would be a coronation of a human king, it's accompanied by trumpets, the excitement, so too we have the emotion of excitement and at the same time fear 
which is why, and trembling, which is why we do not say Hallel on Rosh Hashanah. It's a Yom Tov, the Walenu, somebody sitting Shiva. Today, tonight, the Shiva is broken, not because of Shabbos. Shabbos doesn't break a Shiva. Shabbos suspends the activities of public mourning of Shiva. The, the mourner doesn't sit low on Shabbos, etc., etc. Rosh Hashanah breaks the Shiva. Why? It's a Yom Tov. If it's a Yom Tov, let's say Hallel, as we do on Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot. No, the Talmud says, Hashem says, how could it be? Sifrei Chaim V'meisim, the what? Books of life and death are open before me on Rosh Hashanah. How can we recite Hallel? Okay, no Hallel, but there's so much seriousness. And in addition, the idea of shofar, let's not forget, the Rambam writes in chapter 3 of Ruchel's Chua, and if we have time, we'll come back to this. The purpose of the blowing of the shofar is each and every one of us, Uru you who are slumbering, you who are sleeping, wake up. Wake up and realize, whoa, what our tafkid, what our responsibility is. Okay, now, how many sounds must we hear from the shofar? So ideally, a hundred sounds. How do we get to that? The Torah uses the term trua in the month of seventh month. Tishrei is not found in the Torah. Seventh month is. The Torah says three times you want to blow a trua. From the Chatzotros in chapter 10, in the book of Bamidbar, the Torah speaks about the horns, the silver horns which were blown in the Midbar, in the desert. And from those horns, I know the technicality of blowing shofar. I learned that a trua is a sad day, as the Torah says in Pasuk 9, in chapter 10, in Bamidbar. God forbid, if there's a war in your land, you are to blow a trua. A trua is a cry. Prior to this, uskaten trua, Every trua, every cry is preceded by a tekiah. A tekiah, as we know from Pasuk 10, is a happy note. On your happy times, blow a tekiah. A tekiah is an unbroken sound. A trua is a broken sound. Trua yiskau, we were taught earlier in that chapter, Every cry, every trua is preceded and followed by a tekiah. What is the trua? We're not sure. We're not sure. Is it one of two cries? It's either a sigh, ay, 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 which we call the shvarim, or it's a sob, ay, 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 which we call the trua, or a combination of both. So what do we do? We do all three. So what does that mean? We're to blow three trua. To blow three trua, I have nine sounds from the Torah. Tekiah, trua, tekiah, three times, that's nine. That's all we do, but watch. In order for us to blow tekiah, trua, tekiah, what is the trua? Maybe it is 
tekiah, shavarim, trua, tekiah, which is four notes. Four times three is twelve. That's the first thing we're going to do. No, maybe the trua is just a sign, but we call the shvarim. Three times that is nine, twelve and nine is twenty-one. Oh no, maybe the trua is the psalm. Ay, 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 ay. Three times that is going to give us nine more. That gives us thirty. Before the shmona esrei, these are called the tekios demiushav. Why? Which means the sitting tekios. You could, if you have a bad leg, hard for you to stand, no question. We, we, hard for you to stand, you can sit. We all stand because we're excited. It's the mitzvah, comes once a year, etc. These are the first 30. Once you've heard the first 30 sounds, you're in. You got the biblical mitzvah. However, the Talmud teaches that the ideal performance of shofar is, come on, with the brachos. Which brachos? The brachos in the Musaf Shmona Esrei of Malchios, Zechronos, Shofros. We add these three sections into the Shmona Esrei, Malchios from the term Mela, that we are coronating, and we, Hashem. How do you know? We bring various psukim. Ten psukim from the Torah, ten psukim from Tehillim, ten psukim from the Navi, which gives us a total of 30 psukim. And so, there are 30 psukim for Malchios, 30 psukim for uh, Shofros. No, excuse me? Yeah, no, excuse me. Ten psukim for, thank you, let's correct that. Ten psukim for Malchios, ten psukim for Sochronos, the God remembers and judges, and ten psukim for uh, Shofros. Forgive me, it's a total of 30 psukim, but it's 333 for Malchios, 333 for Zechronos, 333 for Shofros. Take your time. What does that mean? Everybody gets out of shul. My late father used to say that. We all get out at the same time. Don't rush your Shmona Esrei. Even if a chazin has begun his, take your time. And remember, you can say it in any language. You're not so comfortable in the Hebrew, say it in English, say it in Russian, say it in any language that you are comfortable in. And remember, what is emerging? Let's go back to the shofar for just one moment. We blow a tequila happy. What does that mean? God created each and every one of us. We don't believe that you were created with an original sin. God forbid, everybody is created we were all created pure. Ah, oh, now what? Unfortunately, each and every one of us has some truer in our life, something to cry about. We've messed up, but guess what? Our tradition teaches us that there's tshuva, woe, I can improve, I can be better, I will be better, I want to be better. The last note is a tekiah, happy. We start happy, we go through challenges and turmoils, but we end with happy. Okay, this is the prayers, shofar, a little bit. 
If you haven't arranged it yet, if you can't get to shul, get somebody to blow shofar for you, okay? Women technically are not obligated, but your grandmas and their grandmas all the way back have accepted upon themselves. Therefore, women should try, A, to come to shul and hear it in shul, B, if they can't, to get somebody to blow for them. Good. Tashlech on Rosh Hashanah. Because the first day this year is Shabbos, we go to Tashlech on the second day. If you can't go to Tashlech, to a flowing body of water, too distant, hard for me to walk, etc., then you can go to Tashlech through last time Hoshana Rabbah. Okay? Now, uh, this. A lot more to speak about Rosh Hashanah. I just want to conclude with the following very important idea. The very first insertion into the Shemona Esrei, Zohreinu L'chaim, Hashem, please remember us for life. Okay? Why? Because you are Melech Chofetz Pachayim, you want Chayim, and therefore, we are making a bakasha, asking of you, Hashem, Sachreinu Lachayim, Yerachafetz Pachayim, because inscribe us to Sefer Achayim in the Book of Life. Why? Here come the key words. The Ma'ancha Elokim Chayim. What does that mean? Inscribe us in the Book of Life for your sake. O living God. What does that mean? Inscribe us for your sake. So the answer I want to suggest the following way. Why is it that Hashem gives some people more money that they actually need? I, I earn more than I need. What for? Our rabbis teach us so powerfully. If you are given more money than you need, it's because he'oni imach. The more money that you have is not yours. Don't tell me you earned it. Don't tell me you invested it. The answer is it's not yours. Hashem gave it to you that you should give it to others. Ah, oh, Hashem, I work with you. I'm your treasurer. Give me more, please, for the forthcoming year that I should be able to give more. Ah, oh, the same is true with Chaim. What does Chayim mean? Chayim doesn't only mean he's breathing. He can walk, he can talk. What does Chayim mean? Chayim, yes, when it comes to prolonging life, there we don't say quality of life. But as long as we have the good health and the intellect, Chayim does mean quality of life. Hashem gives us that quality of life, what am I asking for? I'm asking for life that I can use it to serve you, to please you, to glorify you, that I can pray, come to shul three times a day. Yes, that I can be koveya, eating la Torah. Every day there is Torah built into my day a certain amount of time that I set aside 
for the study of Torah. There's chesed built into my day of being kind to others, going out of my way, not just when it happens that I could do. No, I consciously want to help others. Whoa, if this is your life and this is what you want to be, this is our prayer, Hashem, please give me an extension, give me more of this, but God forbid if one squanders their time, wastes their time, does not use the time properly, does not, can't even say it, pray three times a day, does not set a time, time for study, does not, does not, does not, oi, forgive me, why should he? And if that sounds arrogant, I apologize, but it is so true. Why should he? And therefore, I'm saying Rosh Hashanah, as the Sefer Chinuch says, is the day to stop, look, and listen. Okay, I take this opportunity to wish everyone, Nachum, his family, once again, the, the entire family that help out to bring about JM in the AM, literally, to the Jewish world. But all of us should realize how precious Rosh Hashanah is to wish ourselves a good, sweet new year. We can do it. We can change. We can make that little change. I am going to dab in my rib. I am going to binge from a, 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 a sitter. I mean, or, uh, uh, you know, a bencher. I am going to say alamichya from the bencher. It's a different alamichya. Otherwise, my mind is elsewhere. I'm saying the words. I am going to say asher yotzar. All these little things. It makes such a big difference. Exiva achasima tova. A good kibetchior to everybody. Exiva achasima tova. Gajantiv. Good Shabbos to all.
ابرم خمای بریم میخیه و میاموس میه آشه و میه آنی میشفیل و میارم Wishing everybody, all of our wonderful listeners, supporters, friends, happy, healthy, sweet new year. Thank you so much. We'll get it all going again Monday morning. Some Gedalia for the first JM in the AM of 5784. Time to say good Shabbos and good Yontif and Shana Tova with Journeys at JM in the AM.
My brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSingle.com and the NachumSingle Network. And of course, on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing week. Thanks to everybody for coming out to the uh, anniversary celebration yesterday and for all the good wishes that came through uh, in so many different ways. Big, big thank you for that. Uh, wishing everybody a happy, healthy, and sweet new year as 5783 ends and 5784 starts tonight. Have a fabulous Chag, everybody. A wonderful Shabbos, a great holiday, a happy, healthy, and sweet 5784. And until next time, it's Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.